As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. Hello friends, I'm Rick Warren and welcome to Spurgeon's Sermons. This is the official podcast brought to you by Premier and Spurgeon's College. You know, the teachings of Charles Spurgeon have had a personal impact on my life in a profound way and I'm confident they'll do the same for you. So get ready to be challenged, equipped and guided by Charles Spurgeon who is universally regarded as the greatest English preacher in the history of the church. Jesus at Bethesda, or Waiting Changed for Believing, a sermon by Charles Spurgeon, part two. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another stepeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. John's Gospel, chapter 5, verses 1 to 9. When our Lord gave his commission to his disciples, He said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And what was that gospel? Tell them to wait in their unbelief in the use of means and ordinances till they see some great thing. Tell them to be diligent in prayer and read the word of God until they feel better. Not an atom of it. Thus saith the Lord, he that believeth and is baptised shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. This was the gospel, and the only gospel, which Jesus Christ ever bade his ministers preach. And they who say, wait for feelings, 
wait for impressions, wait for wonders, they preach another gospel which is not another gospel. The lifting up of Christ on the cross is the saving work of the gospel ministry. And in the cross of Jesus lies the hope of men. Look unto me and be ye saved. All the ends of the earth is God's gospel. Wait at the pool is man's gospel and has destroyed its thousands. This ungospel-like gospel of waiting is immensely popular. I should not wonder if well nigh half of you are satisfied with it. Oh, my hearers, you do not refuse to fill the seats in our places of worship. You are seldom absent when the doors are open. But there you sit in confirmed unbelief, waiting for windows to be made in heaven, but neglecting the gospel of your salvation. The great command of God, believe and live, has no response from you but a deaf ear and a stony heart, while you quiet your consciences with outward religious observances. If God had said, sit in those seats and wait, I would be bold to urge it upon you with tears. But God has not said so. He has said, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. He has not said, wait, but he has said, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. I find Jesus saying nothing to sinners about waiting, but very much about coming. Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is athirst, Come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Why is this way so very popular? It is because it administers laudanum to the conscience. When the minister preaches with power and the hearer's heart is touched, the devil says, wait for a more convenient season. Thus the archenemy pours his deadly drug into the soul and the sinner, instead of trusting in Jesus on the spot, or on bended knee with tearful eye, crying for mercy, flatters himself because he is in the use of the means. Which use of means is well enough as far as it goes, but which is bad as bad can be when it comes into the place of Christ crucified. A child ought to hear its parents' command. But what if the child puts hearing into the place of obeying. God forbid that I should glory in your listening to the gospel if you are hearers only. My glory is in the cross. And unless you look to the cross 
It were better for you that you had never been born. I ask the candid attention of everyone who has thus been waiting while I mention one or two points. My dear friend, is not this waiting a very hopeless business after all? Out of those who waited at Bethesda, how very few were ever healed. He who stepped down first into the pool was cured, but all the rest came up from the pool just as they went in. Ah, my hearers, I tremble for some of you, you chapel-goers and church-goers, who have for years been waiting. How few of you get saved. Thousands of you die in your sins, waiting in wicked unbelief. A few are snatched like brands from the burning, but the most of those who are hardened waiters wait and wait till they die in their sins. I solemnly warn you that pleasing to the flesh as waiting in unbelief may be, it is not one which any reasonable man would long persevere in. For, my friend, are not you in your own person an instance of its hopelessness? You have been waiting for years. You can scarcely remember when you first went to a place of worship. Your mother carried you there in her arms, and you have been nurtured under the shadow of the sanctuary like the swallows that build their nests under God's altars. And what has your unbelieving waiting done for you? Has it made you a Christian? No. You are still without God, without Christ, without hope. I shall put it to you in God's name. What right have you to expect that if you wait another 30 years, you will be at all different from what you are now? Are not the probabilities most strong that at 60 you will be as graceless as you are at 30? For let me say it, and I dare say it without egotism, some of you have listened to the gospel preached to you in no mincing manner. My dear hearers, I have been as plain with you as I know how to be. I have never shunned to declare the whole counsel of God, nor even to pick out an individual case and deal with it closely. Short of actually mentioning people's names, I have hardly stopped, but I have sought to commend the gospel to the conscience of every man as in the sight of God. Remember the warnings you had in Exeter Hall. Some of you recollect the breakings down you felt in the Surrey Gardens. Remember the invitations which have already come to you in this very hall. And if all these have failed, what more is to be done in the way of hearing and waiting? Many of you have listened to other preachers, equally earnest, equally tender, perhaps more so. Now, if all these have had no effect upon you, if waiting at the pool has done nothing for you, is it not a forlorn and helpless mode of procedure? Is it not time that something better were tried than merely waiting for the troubling of the water? Is it not time that you remembered that Jesus Christ is ready to save you now, and that if you now trust in him, you shall this day 
have everlasting life. There lies our poor friend, still waiting at the water's edge. I do not blame him for waiting, for Jesus had not been there before, and it was right for him to seize even the most slender chance of a cure. But it was sad that Jesus should have been so slighted. There he went, threading his way among the blind and the halt and the lame, and looking benignly upon them all, but none looking up to him. Now, in other places, soon as Jesus made his appearance, they brought the sick in their beds and laid them at his feet, and as he went along, he healed them all, scattering mercies with both his hands. A blindness had come over these people at the pool. There they were, and there was Christ, who could heal them, but not a single one of them sought him. Their eyes were fixed on the water, expecting it to be troubled. They were so taken up with their own chosen way that the true way was neglected. No mercies were distributed, for none were sought. Ah, my friends, my sorrowful question is, shall it be so this morning? The living Christ is still among us in the energy of his eternal spirit. Will you be looking to your good works? Will you be trusting to your church goings and your chapel goings? Will you rely upon expected emotions, impressions and fits of terror and let Christ, who is able to save to the uttermost, have no glimpse of faith from any eye? no prayer of desire from any heart. If it shall be so, it is heartbreaking to think of it. Men with an almighty physician in their house, dying while they are amused with a hopeless quackery of their own inventing. O oh, poor souls, shall Bethesda be repeated here this morning? And Jesus Christ, the present Saviour, be again neglected. If a king should give to one of his subjects a ring and say to him, when you are in distress or disgrace, simply send me that ring and I will do all for you that is needful. If that man should willfully refuse to send it, but purchase presents or go about to do some singular feats of valour in order to win his monarch's favour, you would say, what a fool he is. Here is a simple way, but he will not avail himself of it. He wastes his wits in inventing new devices and toils away his life in following out plans that must end in disappointment. Is not this the case with all those who refuse to trust Christ? The Lord has assured them that if they trust Jesus... They shall be saved. But they go about after 10,000 imaginings and let their God, their Saviour, go. Meanwhile, the sick man, so often disappointed, was growing into deep despair. Moreover, he was becoming old. For 38 years is a long time out of a man's life. He felt that he should soon die. The brittle thread was nearly snapped. 
and so as the days and nights wearily wore on, though he waited, it became heavy work to wait. My friend, is not this your case? Life is wearing away with you. Are there not grey hairs here and there? You have waited all this while in vain, and I warn you that you have sinfully waited. You have seen others saved. Your child is saved. Your wife is converted, but you are not. And you are waiting, and will wait, I fear, till to the tune of earth to earth, dust to dust, ashes to ashes. The mould shall rattle on your coffin lid, and your soul shall be in hell. Do not, I pray you, play with time any longer. Say not, there is time enough, for the wise man knows that time enough is little enough. Be not like the foolish drunkard who, staggering home one night, saw his candle lit for him. Two candles, said he, for his drunkenness made him see double. I will blow out one. And as he blew it out, in a moment he was in the dark. Many a man sees double through the drunkenness of sin. He thinks that he has one life to sow his wild oats in, and then the last part of life in which to turn to God. So like a fool, he blows out the only candle that he has. And in the dark, he will have to lie down forever. Haste thee, traveller. You have but one sun. And when that sets, you will never reach your home. God help you to make haste now. Thank you for listening, friends. This podcast was brought to you by Premier in association with Spurgeon's College. For more Christian podcasts, sermons, and music, head back to the website premier.plus and sign in for free.